Well, one more time, would you join us as we um, look at our passage that we've been studying the whole season of Christmas from Philippians chapter 2, that little book of Paul's in the middle of the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I believe you can find it if you don't have your Bible with you or your phone with you. You can find it on page 980 and 981 of the Pew Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Follow along, would you, as I read it? So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, these are rhetorical questions again, right? Yes, of course there's encouragement in Christ. If there's any comfort from love, yes, there's comfort from love. Any fellowship or participation in the Holy Spirit, yes, Of course, there's amazing fellowship. Any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, the Apostle Paul says, by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing, he says, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, I love that, which is already yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be clutched or held onto or grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father, the very Word of God. Thank you. But do you remember when you were small... um, that, that you wanted to be something when you grew up. You had these ambitions. Now, I'm not sure that all of us would admit what those ambitions were, right? Um, I, I was a typical uh, uh, guy. I uh, went through several phases. Uh, I think I'm still in a phase. Um, I wanted to be um, a fighter pilot. I was an Air Force brat. And we lived on these on these bases all around the world. There's a couple of Air Force people here. The um, the the one I can remember is in South Carolina, where there were these awesome F-100s, and and we had to go buy them on our way to school, and they just looked mean, and they had these big big poles coming out of the front of them, these big spikes, and they just were awesome. I got to watch those things come and landed, and I thought, I want to be a fighter pilot when I grew up. 
And then I remember just a few years later that, that, that I can remember, I'm told you how old I am, but I can remember watching on TV one small step for mankind, a little black and white TV, right? And, and I realized I set my ambitions too low, right? Forget this fighter pilot stuff. You can hear it coming, can't you? I want to be an astronaut, right? An astronaut. And, and forgive me, I know in Indiana we lost uh, one of our precious astronauts. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a high-risk thing. And, and, and yet, for me, that, that high risk of being a fighter pilot or even an astronaut was, was exciting. It was inviting. I hadn't experienced the pain of loss. And, and, and all it meant was, wow, wow, I can risk my life for something greater than myself, right? And, and I just went through these phases of wanting to be something, to do something greater than I was at the time. I went through several more phases. I'm grateful for that. I went through several of them. I went through the car phase long before I was able to drive. Therefore, it was a lot easier way to do it for my parents, right? Um, I went through all these phases. I went through a phase in adulthood of wanting to be a policeman, right? And I was for a, a year and a half a deputy sheriff. Um, I went through these different things. Ambitions are good, right? Uh, if they invite us to risk, to step out. But we've all experienced that ambitions, if, if left to themselves, can get out of control, right? And, and that something that is innocent for a child can become shackles for an adult. When, when we have an ambition to be something that God didn't intend for ourselves. And oh, it's, it's fed by everything around us. It's fed by the culture, certainly. Be all that you can be, right? Oh, I think I just quoted a military thing, didn't I? Um, you're, you're number one. Watch out for number one. You deserve this, right? The culture tells you. In other words, you are the most important thing. You've got to watch out for yourself. And, and I'm, I'm faced that today on a daily basis. I've got to provide for myself. I've got to be wise in my handling of finances. I've got to set the table so that I can have safety and security the rest of my life, right? Do you hear all the things? I know that you do. But sometimes when you think about them for someone else, it's easier to see. Is my trust in my own safety? I don't have to go very far in Scripture to discover that God never said safety was yours, right? He said peace was. But he didn't say safety from the world's place. He never said, oh, trust me and, and you shall have financial security the rest of your life, right? I'm sorry that there are some streams of Christianity where, where um, that, that seems prominent. That trust Jesus and you'll have all the financial security you'll need. But that's not... That's not the gospel that I understand and read, right? In fact, as we think about uh, what ambitions God invites of us, Paul calls us back to, to, um, to unusual ambitions. He said, let your ambition, right, be to experience Christ. Let your ambition be to be comforted by His love, right? 
Let, let your ambition be to be one with other people who have trusted Christ as well, right? Let, let your ambition be to enter into, uh, unfortunately translated, I think, sympathy in, in the ESV. But he said, let your ambition be to have compassion to enter into one another's suffering. His, his, his list of what ambitions we might have are very different in ours. Let, let it, it be to have one mind. Yeah, we ask, how can we possibly all enter into that same place? How can we find that one thing by which we all can gather around then? Everything that we've heard in the past five weeks points to that one thing, right? Let your ambition be to have the mind of Christ. Twice, he says it in the opening segment of Philippians chapter 2. Let your ambition be. Now, why would that be good? Because... Because if we believe that Christ is our Savior, if we believe that Christ is our Lord, then to have that mind of Christ will be an incredible blessing for us. We will experience Christ when we meet Him there, when we have that mind in ourselves. But there's the second part of that too. That if I'm going to be of the same mind as Mary Ann, uh, who happened to be looking at me when I said that, uh, unlike everybody in the front row who was looking down when I looked down there, Mary Ann um, if I'm going to have the same mind as Mary Ann, right, it can't be my mind and it can't be her mind. Paul says, let it be the mind of Christ. Let it be the mind of Christ. Here's the one thing that's worthy of each of us focusing on, of each of us drawing near. Mary, couples, do you remember when you were trying to understand what is this one thing that can draw us together? We found out, didn't we, the hard way that it can't be each other because we are moving targets, right? And in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul, Paul challenges, he says, if you focus on one another, you might move closer to one another, but you're not going to move any closer to Christ, right? And we learned together, didn't we, that 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 the secret of marriage, becoming one in marriage, is, is to focus on Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That as we drew nearer to Jesus, we as a married couple would draw nearer to each other and to Him as well. Well, Paul is inviting us as a community of faith to do the same thing. To, to have the mind of Christ, our ambition has to be to have the mind of Christ. Well, that kind of raises a real important question then, right? What is the mind of Christ? And of course, all of Scripture from Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelation, right? All of Scripture speaks to that. But what struck me this, this Advent season as we were looking at these amazing stories of followers of Jesus Christ what struck me was a couple of different things. And I found all week all my mind kind of centering around a couple of different things. The first one is, is probably the most obvious one. The first one is love, right? That God is love and that love was poured out for us in Jesus Christ. 
And I think that it's, that it's validated in Scripture. If you look for the, the single greatest concept in Scripture that's, that's, that's said over and over to us at least 50 times in Scripture, it is the love of Christ. Is there any comfort in His love? Yes, yes. Love is critical, right? Love is critical. I'm just going to assume that for a second. Because the world gets that. The world understands the importance of love. They look for it. Here I go with that country song in all the wrong places. But they understand the importance of love. What they might not understand is, in the mind of Christ, is this second idea. The love is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you were going to short-circuit the nine fruit of the Spirit, you would start with love. But but. Is there the second concept? Is there the second aspect that's going to help us grab together to clutch together the mind of Christ? Um, I want to suggest to you that it is humility. It's humility, right? And and that, that bears out when you look at the second greatest concept in Scripture that's taught over and over again, either in, in precept, in, in proclaimed truth, or, or in, in practice, in evidence of someone's life, the, the issues we've seen all Advent season long is, is humility. And humility appears, if, if love appears in concept and story 50 times, humility appears at least 40 times that I could see. At least 40 times in Scripture, we are invited into this aspect of the mind of Christ, the aspect of humility, Right? What is it? What is humility? Well, um, I, I've shared with you before that I stumble when I usually think about the word because we have this concept in our North American culture that we call humble, right? And it's kind of a it's kind of an aw shucks, uh, oh shucks, you know. Um, uh, and, and we all go, oh, isn't that isn't that cute? Isn't that isn't that you know, that such a humble guy, you know? Oh. That is, that is so, so nice, right? And I forget that humility is the same root word as humiliation, right? Humiliation. Uh, and, and I don't know anybody that wants to be... Some of you just went back to junior high. I could see it on your faces, right? And, and, and I'm call, sorry, we call it junior high in California. You call it middle school here, this... The season of your life where you're trying to figure out who you are, really. What's your identity? And, 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 and it's such a vulnerable time. And, and all it takes is one person to take advantage of that time. And, and, and you can experience incredible pain. And if you still struggle with that, I just want to invite you that God's grace is sufficient for you. Your, your identity was not carved out by... Well, my guy was Pete Miller. Miller, Mills, right? We had to share a gem locker, right? And, and Pete was bully, right? And so his, um, his creativity in humiliation was um, huge, right? And, um, and that, he just made it his mission in life to, to humiliate me. Now, I've... I've uh, own before you, and, and I have done that to other people, right? Hurting people hurt people. 
share with you the famous egg incident, other, other situations, right? So I'm not trying to say he's something that I'm not. I just was on the receiving end of Pete Miller's uh, humiliation. And I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But what is astounding to me about Jesus Christ is that he, did, he, he didn't wish it on us. He took it from us. He humbled himself. He chose humiliation so that we might not have to. I am not saying that if you follow Jesus, you will never experience humiliation. I can pretty much guarantee you that you will. Right? But the consequences of that humiliation will fall on Jesus. And your identity in Christ will save you from that humiliation. It's going to sound strong, but I really believe it with all my heart because no, none of us can be more humiliated than Jesus Christ, right? Walk with me just for a second, right? Who, though he was in the form of God, that's Paul's way of saying he was completely God, he chose in humiliation, to make himself human, right? He went from infinite and, and chose to make himself human. Now, without getting into the deep theology of it, how did that happen? Uh, all I know is, is that it says he emptied himself, right? He did not take what was his. And this, this man who was completely divine and completely human emptied himself of any right for divinity, And you say, well, didn't he still do a lot of miracles? Oh, absolutely. But he did them by the permission of his heavenly Father, which I'm going to invite you to remember that you can do as well. Heal the sick, he said. Cast out demons, Jesus commanded, right? Um, Raise the dead. We are in the exact same place. Um, Jesus did everything he did in submission to his heavenly Father. He chose submission. And and I want to invite you to walk with Jesus through his humiliation. He chose submission and became flesh, Paul tells us in Philippians 2, right? But not just any flesh. I love what we have focused on, uh, the child Christ, right? He chose to become the weakest and most vulnerable human That could be, right? A child. A child. Completely defenseless in and of himself. Dependent on everyone else to surround him and protect him. Completely vulnerable. Remember just how contrary this is to our culture? Don't be vulnerable. Pete Miller will take advantage of it. Right? Dave Mills will take advantage of it. Don't be vulnerable, our culture says. And Jesus says, no. Make yourself vulnerable. Choose. Choose to descend into greatness, right? He became human. And not just any human, but a child, right? And, and the ultimate act of, of humiliation, he died a human death. I, I, I missed one, I'm sorry. He took the form of a servant, right? Not of a king of kings and lord of lords, though he was but he took the form of a servant. In John 13, he actually physically took that form. He took off his outer garments, dressed himself like a servant. He did not want us to miss this and, and, and began to wash their feet and said, you call me master and Lord, and so I am. But if I, your master and Lord, wash your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He took the form 
of a servant. And then in the ultimate act of, of humiliation, he died a human death, but not just any human death. It's hard to believe in our, in our, Trish, in our, in our um, liturgical year, we go from this Advent season of anticipating the second coming of Christ, remembering the first one to Lent. It's this odd word, but, but it means that we, we walk with Jesus through the final days of his life. And in just a couple of months, we'll begin that season. We just jumped from birth to death in a couple of, of months. But it was not a pretty thing. Amen? Um, uh, any human death is humiliating, right? Because you completely lose control. You no longer have control. You, I don't, I'm not sure that we ever really had it. But in, in death, it's the ultimate thing that we can't control, right? And, and, and we experience the humiliation of death. And Jesus takes it even one more dimension, Paul says. Not just human death, but, but death on a cross. And we have made that beautiful. I have an olive wood crucifix that is a beautiful work of art. There was nothing beautiful about Death At the time, it was the worst form of death that anyone could experience. Be nailed, probably naked, to a cross and having everybody watch you die. Um, there was no more painful or, or horrible or humiliating way to die. Well, thank you for the cheerful Lifter upper, Pastor Dave, as we begin the new year, right? Um, it it would be a complete downer if that was the end of the story, right? But Paul has said, change your ambitions. Think differently about this. Let your ambition be to unify yourself, to unify your family, to unify this fellowship, to unify the capital C church, the church of Jesus Christ around the mind of Christ. And that, that attitude which describes the mind of Christ was humility. And, and it makes sense that if, if our Savior and our Lord experience that humiliation, that, that we're going to experience that too. If that were the end of the story, it would be the complete downer. It would be the complete uh, horrible story that very few people would want to embrace, right? But it wasn't the end of the story. And Paul, in this 11-verse summary of the whole purpose and life of Jesus Christ, Paul, in this 11-verse summary, I think I sat below the thing there, um, says it's not the end of the story, right? He says right after the part about the ultimate humiliation of dying a criminal's death on the cross. He says, therefore, right, God highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, right? He went from being the ultimate humiliation to the name which is above every name. And as some of you studied this morning, that at the name of Jesus, right, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus lived out for us 
what Peter would later invite us to in 1 Peter chapter 5. He invites us to humble ourselves as well, first to God, right? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that in due time He might lift you up. I'm still waiting for Pete Miller to lift me up, right? I need to pick me up, Pete, right? And um, and it's not happening. I, sh- I shouldn't be using his name in vain because for all I know, like me, he came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and his past is washed away in the glory of Christ's forgiveness and mercy. So forgive me for using his name. But, but the invitation of God is to humble ourselves before him that in due time he might lift us up as well. And then here it comes. If, if the ambition is to have the mind of Christ and the attitude that he invites us to is humility, what is the action that will, that will reflect our humbling ourselves before God and one another? What is the action? Jesus says, service, serving, right? Now, our culture gets this. Um, I, I, our culture gets there's something beautiful in serving. And so uh, our culture will be quick to, to um, find ways of serving those who are in need. Um, and I, I enjoy this myself, right? But I find myself very quickly feeling like, okay, I've done my uh, couple of hours at Hamilton Point, right? I feel pretty good about myself. You see what's going on here, right? Our culture gets service. We'll do just enough service to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And then, and then we'll go on with our own self-lordship. But Jesus Christ invites us to, to serve regardless of what we're feeling about ourselves, to put others before us. Did you hear it? Have this mind in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but let each of you regard others as, and and this is the words that the ESV used, as more significant than yourselves. To choose to put others ahead of you, to put others above you. Sometimes that's that's done by lifting them up and, and we're so blessed here at all of that to have people that just have that gift. It's called the gift of encouragement, right? And, and they several people approached me even before the service and just gave me some encouraging word and I felt like, wow, I'm I I feel lifted up. That's one way to do it, to lift others up. But 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 another way is to is to lower yourself. The path of Jesus was to put himself... These are people that he could have said the word and myriad angels would have come to his aid and, and, and brought justice to the situation, but Jesus didn't do that. He didn't. He chose to lower himself. He chose to humble himself and serve the very people who would crucify him, who would ultimately humiliate him, why? Because his hope wasn't in what other people thought of him. His hope wasn't in what the culture said was, was of value. His hope was in God and God alone. What are, you, what are you thinking about the coming year? I, I, 
I, I confess, a lot of people say, I, the one, the one um, promise I'm making or, 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 or idea, New Year's resolution that I'm making is to not have resolutions. How many of you have said that, right? Um, um, why? Because when I fall short, I feel bad about myself, right? Um, but let's think of it differently. I love New Year's because it's like it's like a new beginning. I know it's artificial. Some guy named Gregory way back when decided that this is the new year, right? And 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 it's an artificial chronology that we will not be bound by in eternity. But but I, I like the Lord's Day for the same reason. I like sunrises for the same reason. What they're like new beginnings, right? New chances to do over. What's your ambition for two? 2019, what, what is God inviting you to? How, how will you live it out? What will you do that will reflect who you're becoming, right? What, what, will, what will you choose to do? Paul invites you, um, let's, let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let's ask God to show us how we can choose humility, how we can choose servanthood so that others might be lifted up and so that one day God might lift us up as well. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus who reminds us so powerfully God, of of your simple invitation to trust you, to put our weight down on what you say reality is. God, thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus that, that grants us this privilege of doing a complete new start. Thank you, God, for this artificial thing called New Year's where we can we can, at least on our calendar, say, God, I want to honor you in this new year. I want to have the kind of mind that will elevate Jesus and, and will lower myself so that no one God will confuse the two so that Jesus and him alone might be seen in me. God, thank you for this amazing opportunity. Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us over this coming week? God, in those, those moments that you grant when, when the world is stilled and even the, own, our own, the voices of our own hearts, God, are, are quieted and we can listen to your voice speak to us about how we can embrace the God who is love. Speak to us, God, about how we can embrace the path the mind and the attitude and the actions, God, that will lift up Jesus Christ. Help us to understand how we can humble ourselves before you. And then, God, help us to put our weight down on your word 
Help us, God, just as we've seen over and over again this Advent season, as we've seen the glory of the Lord descend and the true picture of reality made known to Mary and, and to Zechariah and Elizabeth, to, to the shepherds, as we've seen over and over again, your glory revealed, God. Help us to believe that just as you did with Jesus, so you will do with us. That one day, God, you will lift us up. And we will get to experience firsthand what we've only trusted by faith. Oh God, I pray for those who, who are on the edge, God, of, of trusting you of putting their weight down. I know they don't want to look foolish, God, in front of the culture. I know that they don't want to look foolish in front of their own self-concept. But God, I pray that you would gently allow us to lay aside the foolishness of the gospel to embrace the truth of it, that we are loved more than we could ever imagine. And you have set apart an eternity for those who can trust you right now. Grant us a heart of humility. Grant us the mustard seed of faith to trust you, God. Grant us a vision of your glory that will sustain us through any trial that this world or any other world could grant us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.